Egregious. Nothing personal word of the day. It is Tuesday, 8823. Egregious means extremely bad. So, so bad. Conspicuously bad. The worst thing you could do. That's egregious behavior. The Orioles are suffering from egregious behavior. If you haven't seen what I'm talking about, then you're living under a rock. The Baltimore Orioles announcer is Kevin Brown. Works for Masson, which is owned by the Orioles. About 20% owned by the Nationals, but the Orioles control it. They've been fighting with the Nationals for a decade plus about what the rights fee should be. All part of the relocation of the Expos to Washington. But I digress in what Coco would say, an egregious manner. Video comes out of Kevin Brown doing the pregame, not the pitcher, for the Yankees and the Marlins. He's doing the pregame and he's setting up a game between the Orioles and the Rays. The Orioles, who have now passed the Rays, they've won 70 games, first team in the American League to win 70 games. Their rebuild, having lost 100 games three years in a row, is working swimmingly. Brandon Hyde, former coach with us in the Marlins, is leading the Orioles to this fantastic season. Everything's positive. Not that they're favored to win, the Astros are in the American League, but everything's coming up roses. The family's not fighting anymore, no more litigation, they settled. Still trying to figure out a new refurbished Camden Yard, so they're dealing with the public entity. But generally, things are not bad. Kevin Brown takes the microphone and says, welcome to game number 112, I'm making that up. And the Orioles have had a very difficult time with the Rays, they've lost. 18, 15 of the last 18 times in Tampa, but today there's a chance for them to win the series for the first time in 69 years. There's a full screen, which means when an announcer talks, there's something that comes on the screen that has the stats that the announcer's talking about. The announcer's reading from game notes. Game notes are prepared by the team. The PR department does what's called game notes. All media members get the game notes before every game. The game notes give stats about the particular game upcoming. This is the 24th game between the Rays and the Orioles in the past 392 days. Of the previous 23 games, the team with the lead in the seventh inning has won 22 of them. The Orioles, who lost 18 out of the last 24, yada yada, it is an entire stat pack of little nuggets that can be used by a broadcaster during a game or by a writer for an article about that game. The game notes have the exact stats that Kevin Brown talks about. Then he goes Kaiser Soze. He's gone. Where is he? Hasn't been on the air in five days, 10 days, 15 days. Then the story came out that he was suspended by the Baltimore Orioles for conduct detrimental to the team, for being disloyal, for saying what was in the game notes. Coca, let's get specific. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. 
So you want to talk to Samson, get on Twitter at David P. Samson or go to the show's website. It's new. It's awesome. David Samson podcast. Com. We've got a merch store. We've got all the clips. We've got everything we do except a picture of Coca because he wouldn't allow his own picture on our website, which is outrageous. Mr. Sampson, by the way, I'm happy to do your question on the air, but I'm David. You say Mr. Sampson, I'm thinking Grandpa Harry. Mr. Sampson, I assume I'm not the first person to ask you to discuss the Orioles announcer situation, but just in case. And I bought a mug. Hell yeah. I am not above bribing. Get on the merch store, davidsampsonpodcast.com. We got some cool stuff, I think. We appreciate you. All right, let me answer your question. And no, let me start with, you weren't the first person. But you bought a mug, that's why your question's being asked. Every announcer for every team, and I'm not exaggerating. Gary Cohn with the Mets, Michael Kay with the Yankees. Everybody in the media has come to the defense of Kevin Brown. Everybody is calling out the Orioles. Three things for you to think about as you're evaluating this story. Number one, any announcer who tells you that nobody from management has ever gone into the booth or spoken to the announcer pre-game or post-game about things the announcer has said is not telling you the truth. Every announcer at one point when you are doing play-by-play for 162 games, every single one of them has had a conversation, mostly from the people who run PR and communications, sometimes from the president, rarely if ever from the actual owner, although it comes from the owner sometimes, everybody's been spoken to. Two, if you want to punish a broadcaster for not being loyal, no matter whether your team is 70 and 40 or 40 and 70, you do not do it during a season. You wait for the season to end then you either terminate the contract for cause after having alerted the broadcaster that what he or she or they were doing was wrong and in violation of the contract, or you terminate it without cause, which means you pay them out what they're owed, or if their contract is up, you don't renew it. There are myriad ways to deal with a broadcaster who you do not like, and that happens often. No problem. After the season, Three, if all Kevin Brown did was the clip that you have seen on the intro Google, then what the Orioles did is inexcusable. It's egregious. My first reaction when I saw it is there's got to be more here. What did Kevin do? Was there something he did off the field? And I have no information. And there has not been any indication that he did anything else. But how can it be? The clinching moment for me that Kevin Brown has not done anything else off the field that would cause him to be suspended and or terminated 
is that once the PR avalanche started against the Orioles, you can be a moron and still take your temperature that you're on the wrong side of a story. If there was something else going on that they had hoped to keep private, you leak it to make sure it's not private anymore. You've got to provide cover for yourself as an organization. If you've done something that you believe is right, there's a reason that's not being reported. You leak it to get it out. The Orioles have not leaked a thing. In fact, all the Orioles did when asked is say, we don't comment on personal matters, but we look forward to hearing Kevin's voice soon. Example, and this is absolutely no basis. Is Kevin taking a mental health break? Is he in rehab? Was he arrested? Did something happen with his family? Are there marital problems? I can give you the top 10 list, Ace Ventura stop, of things that would cause a broadcaster to step away during a season. There are also broadcaster vacations that happen during the course of a season. No problem. But the narrative out there is that there is causation between what he said about the Rays and the Orioles and him not being on the air. You've got to eliminate that. If you're not willing to do it directly, which the Orioles were not, then leak it. Absent that, that means John Angelos or Louis Angelos, the sons of Peter Angelos. Peter Angelos, do not blame him. He has not been involved. He is not involved. Is it possible that John or Lewis was watching the broadcast and was angered or annoyed and wanted him off the air? 100%. Owners watch the broadcast with the sound on. I always wanted our owner to watch with the sound off because I knew we were going to get a call every single game. Sometimes we'd go into the booth during the game. Sometimes we'd say we went into the booth during the game and didn't. We would use our best judgment to decide when we had to follow through on the demands of the owner. Very common. During owner's meetings, there's conversations about this stuff. Did you hear what my guy said? Did you hear what my guy said? Do you know how many owners call MLB Network and call, at the time, Tony Petiti, Rob, Bud, Every day, there is a different team calling MLB about what's going on in MLB Network. We don't like the order of the highlights. We don't like the conversation that took place about our team. We don't agree. Have it changed. Have that person removed. It's a Tuesday, folks, literally today. That's a Tuesday. Is it possible that the Angelos has called somebody and said, we are so angry, we don't want to hear his voice anymore. You must suspend him. If you are not surrounded by sycophants, which many owners are, this would be an example where you stand up to your owner and say, no, he did nothing wrong. Let me give you an example of things that are worthy of suspension. The Baltimore Orioles yesterday further proved how much money they're pocketing by not adding salary at the deadline. 
What an absolute disgrace. Unacceptable. The Baltimore Orioles today signed the worst free agent possible. How could people not realize what a bad fit he is? He stinks. That's an example. The manager of this team is as, as, is as 4869. The manager of this team is as incompetent as the general manager, and that all comes from the buffoonery of the ownership. I cannot believe the direction of this team. 100 losses a year with no hope in sight. Are they really not playing Cedric Mullins today? How dare they in a must-win game of great import? I can give you 50 examples where we would want the broadcaster to not say it. As a matter of fact, we give things to the broadcaster in advance of games of stuff they can't talk about and stuff we want them to talk about. They are your mouthpiece. They are your an extension of your team. All of this talk about we're neutral. We're not homers. The audience wants neutrality. We're thick-skinned enough that we put up with when a bad play is made, a physical error, a problem in the clubhouse, things that are going on. We understand that we want our audience to hear those things. But of course we're monitoring. And of course we're censoring. But under what sick scenario are you censoring what Kevin Brown did? So here's what's going to happen now. He's going to be back. And the Orioles, if they have any competency in the front office, will have to speak to Kevin Brown about what he will say when he's back for his first game. I think you'd agree. It's going to be the most watched Masson game of all time. Everybody will be looking to hear does he say, I'm back, baby? Does he use the word of the day for a third time in three weeks? We're back, baby. Let me tell you what to look for. He's not going to say a word. He is going to come back and call the game, do the intro, do everything as though nothing had happened. That is what I would insist upon, but I would get word out in other ways. I would have my director of PR. I would have my team president. I may even have the GM, but probably not. Someone say something when he's coming back, but I would say to Kevin Brown, you just do your game. If there is more to this story, either A, you will have heard it leaked, but B, he won't be back next year. So we'll see what happens. Egregious. Can't believe it. You know what's egregious? Suspending players for things they didn't do. That happens. It happens in all sports. Sometimes you're the instigator. Sometimes you're the second one and you get the bigger suspension. Sometimes there's more to a story that we don't know about which causes suspensions to be what they are. Major League Baseball moved quickly to announce the suspensions following the brawl between the Guardians and the White Sox the other day. You watched the video. You've seen all the follow-up, the embarrassment, 
of what happened with Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson. You watched Tim Anderson get knocked. Literally, Ramirez knocked him out. Then why is it that MLB announced that Tim Anderson is suspended for six games and Jose Ramirez is suspended for three games? What exactly happened where MLB felt that a suspension for Anderson twice as long as Ramirez is what's appropriate? This is what happens when people in the media comment on things and they don't have the full picture. Tim Anderson is someone who MLB has been trying to work with for a very long time. He has been in the center of many issues, as you know. MLB had no choice but to suspend him for six games, pending appeal, trying to get him to understand that the way he acts and the things he does enables other teams to pinpoint him, to get under his skin, to game him to where the best player on the White Sox is ineffective. These are pregame conversations. You watched in the last dance with Michael Jordan. If there's a weakness with an opposing player, Michael Jordan is going to exploit it. Everyone in baseball knows the temper, the weakness, the immaturity that Tim Anderson has. You think that other teams are not needling him and utzing him into getting him off his game? And it works perfectly. Surprisingly, Jose Ramirez only got three games. To me, as I told you in the wait to see, they would each get five games. When I think about these suspensions and what MLB is trying to accomplish, keep in mind the underlying, always, the underlying guiding principle of suspensions is not deterrence. I would, were I to be in the position in baseball, I would use it as deterrence, meaning I would suspend people for things that I didn't want to see happen at a level that would make other players not follow suit. I don't want to do what was done because I know I'm going to get banged for 10 games or 15 games. Baseball got more attention for the Guardians White Sox situation than it did for almost anything else that's happened on the field. So MLB looks at it from a different perspective. How do we make the players better? And I love that they do it. They're actually looking out for the players. Baseball wants Tim Anderson to be a better player, to be a better person, to be a better example. Jose Ramirez, one of the most talented players in the league, to say nothing, the best player in the Guardians. Not a good look, the pugilism look. However, when MLB announces suspensions that are pending appeal, just know that means those suspensions are going to be reduced. When MLB announces agreed upon suspensions and there will be no appeal, that is because it has been an agreement that has been made with the union and the player in advance of the announcement. When the players do not agree to the suspension and the union does not agree, it will be announced as pending appeal 
MLB will know it's pending appeal. And during the appeal process, they will give the union a victory and they will reduce the appeal. For a player, when he is appealed, he loses money. That's the fine. When you're appealed for a game, the fine is your game salary. That's why the additional fine could be $100 or $200. So I'm going to give you a wait to see and make it official. Tim Anderson's six is going to become five. Jose Ramirez's three is going to become two on appeal. And this is the least of the White Sox issues. Did you see what came out yesterday? We talked about it on the show with what Middleton, the reliever, said about the culture. The White Sox went into complete panic mode. They had Rick Hahn meet the media talking about how we've never had a bullpen guy sleeping in the bullpen. And then he said, no, no, we've got a player with a sleep disorder and the doctors say he should nap. That must be what Middleton was talking about. <laughs> a guy from 670, the score, one of the producers released a story yesterday trying to pile on to the White Sox and Griffo, the manager who's got to get let go. Some combination of him, Williams and Hahn have to be let go. The White Sox are an unmitigated disaster. And what are you, you're not going to fire the sports psychologist. The guy from 670, the score came out and said, Yasmani Gordal, who's in the fourth year of a horrific deal, they can't wait to be done with him. He will not be renewed. He will not re be re-signed by the White Sox. Apparently, he and Tim Anderson got into it. Grandal denied it. But before the All-Star break, apparently Grandal wanted to leave early and start his break early. Tim Anderson made a comment. And then Grandal slapped him. Who slapped who? Why it happened? Couple of things. Players leaving early for the All-Star break, if they're not going to be in the lineup, they ask every year. I was a no every single time. Because you never know. It could be a 25-inning game. It could be an eight-hour game. We may need every single player. We're not willing to play short. But players asking to leave, it happens. We've let players leave during the final game of the season when you're not gonna be in the playoffs and they wanna catch a flight, they want to leave. On certain occasions, we'd be a yes. Pre-All-Star break, we are a no consistently. That said, these are just examples of the symptoms that exist inside the White Sox. Lance Lynn is their pitcher who got traded at the deadline. The irony of Lance Lynn coming out, who's pitching much better now than he was when he was with the uh, White Sox. He came out and said specifically, you know what? He's not wrong. I found that to be interesting. I was there a lot longer than Middleton. He's not wrong. Oi, it's pylon time in every way. I think the White Sox are gonna have some decisions to make. In terms of their situation the rest of the season, their losses at the end of the year are going to look like a nine. They're going to lose 90 games. They're terrible. All right, when we come back, there has been action in college sports. Exactly as Skipper said there would be, as we talked about last Friday on the Levitard show, as I talked about yesterday, as Coca nailed in terms of what's happening with the Pac-4, we are going to get you up to date on what's going on as the Pac-4 becomes the Pac-0. We'll be right back.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Merch alert, davidsampsonpodcast.com. Let's do that again, Coca. Can you do another wipe? Okay. Two, six, 84, nine. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson coming at you live on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Merch alert, davidsampsonpodcast.com. Get on there and get your merch. Join the growing list of people who are representing Nothing Personal, and we continue to be humbled by the amount of activity in the merch store, so thank you. During the course of running a website, a merch store, doing a show every day, speaking to Coca five times a day, trying to train for a ridiculous side note, Coke, I forgot to tell you. I was supposed to run 16 miles yesterday. I did the first four miles before the show. I felt like complete A-double-S. I did not do the final three workouts that I was supposed to do, which made me feel lazy and angry. But come at the end of September, we will be doing the four mile every four hour for 48 hour challenge. You'll hear more about it. I still have time, thanks to the bags under my eyes, which people comment on, I'm totally sorry. No die, no work. I still watch a movie every day. I finished yesterday, The Lincoln Lawyer. The Lincoln Lawyer did what Yellowstone was trying to do. They released part one of the second season in July. And then they released part two, the last five episodes on August 3rd. Yellowstone, of course, has never released part two of their final season because of the insanity of Kevin Costner and Taylor Sheridan and, and how much they hate each other. But The Lincoln Lawyer, and I like this, five episodes on July 6th, watched all five, five episodes on August 3rd. I just finished the final one. It's a series, remember the movie with Matthew McConaughey? We reviewed season one when it came out, whenever it was last year. Season two was just as good. Adrian Sampson, not his name. That's the pitcher. Angus Sampson. Nev Campbell, starring Manuel Garcia Rufo. It's about a lawyer and it's quick. It's got great music, great pace. There's a mystery. There's a case throughout the course of the season that continues. It's got a romantic side. It's got a organized crime side. It's got a violent side. It's got a family side. I found it to be completely entertaining and completely worth your while. If you haven't watched The Lincoln Lawyer, I don't have it first on my list of things to watch, but if you're up at two in the morning, bang it out. If not, watch it one episode at a time if you need to. The Lincoln Lawyer. It's so weird to invest hours of your life and then have it condensed into a three-minute review. I was thinking about Siskel and Ebert who sit there and watched movies when they were alive and, and now ebert.com is still a website where their reviews are actually good, certain of the reviewers. You spend hours watching a movie and it gets condensed 
into two or three minutes. My investment in House of Cards or in This Is Us or in West Wing, like when you really invest and then, hey, that was a three minute review. God, that feels weird. All right, the Pac-12, how are we doing with them? Can you imagine? You wake up and you're the Pac-9 and then the Pac-8 and then something happens, you're the Pac-4. When you're one of those four teams, you realize that you've got to get somewhere else as quickly as possible. And guess what we discovered? By the way, thank you for the order right now. And thank you for the email. You can email on davidsampsonpodcast.com. And someone just emailed, and I love this, so let me just laugh with you. Coca, someone just emailed an order and then a question, and it started with, I love your show. So my question is this, it's 828 Eastern. If you love the show, are you watching it and emailing me? Do you realize that I get an alert and I can see the emails sometimes? Or do you just sort of love the show after the fact and not realize it's live? Is our PR that bad that people don't know we're live at 8 a.m. Eastern every day? So the Pac-4 teams are trying to figure out what are we gonna do and who are we gonna do it with? And you look around at the different conferences and then word comes out yesterday, love this. ACC leaders are set to begin exploratory discussions on the potential additions of Cal and Stanford. <laughs> really? It can't be true. It's the most obvious and guaranteed result. Why do I say that? There's no other conference for them to go to. And the Pac-12 is not gonna be able to recruit teams to its conference and build it back up to the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is done. The only fit for Stanford and Cal is the ACC. When people talk about exploratory discussions, does it make you think back to Tony Petiti and the due diligence they were doing on Washington and Oregon? Oregon, excuse me, 12-6-9. That's three mistakes today, and it's only 30 minutes in. That's how it goes. It's a Tuesday, what do you want? With a little bit of back pain too. When Tony Petiti was doing exploratory due diligence, preliminary due diligence with Washington and Oregon, we knew that that was a bunch of horse hockey. And so is this. They're gonna do calls with the presidents, call with the athletic directors. None of that matters. The only negotiation going on right now and Cal and Stanford have about as much leverage as I do when it comes to changing the way CBS values baseball. Zero. They will get a diminished share. It's like becoming a partner in a law firm for those lawyers out there. There's something called the contract partner, then there's an equity partner. You can grow in, you can earn your equity status over time. Of course, Cal and Stanford are going to have to take a partial share. And of course, at the next media deal, 
when it's bigger because there's more people in the conference, more teams, and even John Skipper would have to up the ante for the ACC deal when it expires in 2069, the schools will go back to getting a full share. For all the student athletes who are concerned about the extra travel, for all of the people who are upset that the landscape is changing in college sports. I've got a word of advice for you. And I've been thinking about this. Stop it. I don't wanna hear that players are upset because when they chose Stanford, they didn't think they'd have to travel to Rutgers. Rutgers is being used as the butt of people's jokes. I don't know why, it's not fair, it's not right. It's Piscataway. It's a very well-run organization, university by our friend, which means I'm not partial and I'm totally biased, but it doesn't matter because I'm right when it comes to Rutgers. Stop yucking on Rutgers, folks. But take any sport, the diving team won't have the money to travel east. We have to be very careful that we are taking care of players and our student athletes. The NCAA, who has been a non-event, they are like the captain of the Titanic as it's going down, and they're looking in the China room and saying, look, I saved that bowl. Totally ineffective, no plan, no nothing. The NCAA is a new president, it ain't Mark anymore. That's terrible English, I don't wanna say that. It's not Mark anymore, it's Charlie Baker. He said, I share concerns about the impact that the recent spate of conference realignment activities will have on student athletes' well-being. No, he doesn't. Let me stop you right there, Charlie. The concerns that you have is that you're not involved in any of it that the NCAA is becoming marginalized to the point of disappearing. Oh, but you have to mask it that you're concerned about the student athletes. The real issue is the growing gap between well-resourced Division I schools and the rest of the division. And it's highly disruptive for all of Division I and college sports overall. Ah, you're carrying the water for Florida State. We need more money. Ah, you're carrying the water for Arizona State. Please give us more money. We are the NCAA. We will represent everybody's interests. We'll represent the rich, we'll represent the poor. We will be your president for all people. Forget Republican, forget Democrat, forget any of it. We are the organization of the people and the schools. Does that sound desperate enough to you? because it certainly sounded desperate to me. He then went on to say, and this is great. Here's a, let me read the quote and then tell you why I love it. I believe D1 University and college presidents, commissioners, and the NCAA should work together to explore ways to address the impact that this growing gap, revenue gap, is having on student athlete well-being. <laughs> The reason I'm laughing is when you want to stop the avalanche of marginalization, what do you do at your office? What do you do in your life and your family life when you feel as though you're not the, a part of a decision or a part of something that's happening or a strategic plan? 
you come up with, hey, I think we should all have a meeting about blank. I think we should all have a call. Let's do a Zoom. Why don't we just all jump on a Zoom and talk about blank? That's you interjecting yourself into a situation that has nothing to do with you. And you're doing it because you want it to have something to do with you. Because if it does have something to do with you, that's how you can explain your importance to your company or your organization. It's textbook. College presidents, commissioners in the NCA. Here's what's happening, Charlie. College presidents and commissioners are meeting, just not with you. That's funny, isn't it? So what's going to happen here with the Pac-4? They're about to be the Pac-0. How quickly do you think, Coca, that'll happen? Let's set an over-under right now for Cal and Stanford joining the ACC. What's today? Tuesday? I'm going to set the over-under of COB Friday. Close of business Friday. Now, I didn't tell you which time zone, but I'm going to say close of business is the over-under. Coco, which way are you going? Are you willing to take a position on this, that the Pac-4 becomes the Pac-2 and then the Pac-2 becomes the Pac-0? What's today? Tuesday? Three days? Are you with me? Not with me? Are you even listening to the show? He's nowhere to be heard. I can't even hear you. I can't even see you. Johnny, can you hear me? The Yankees suck. Johnny, can you see me? Lost my pick of the day. Johnny, I can't believe that Garrett Cole could not beat the White Sox after everything that's going on with the White Sox. How could they not have won their game? It's absurd. The Yankees are so pathetic. I'm so sorry for having them as my pick of the day. We're now 107 and 109. If there were ever a time for the Yankees to win a damn game. They're now five and a half out of the wild card despondent. Who would you rather be if you're a fan? Would you rather be a Yankee fan or a Met fan? It's a great question. It always used to be Yankee fan because they would win all the time. They'd be in the playoffs every year. They'd win World Series all the time. Total dynasty. Would you rather your team buy and suck or sell and suck? I think you gotta, don't you want to have a shot? In this case, people are saying, hey, at least the Mets know who they are. Don't you at least want to get your one at bat? I guess there's two types of people in the world. There's people who just want to watch the life pass them by. Don't participate in anything. Just watch it. A lot of journalists are that way. They don't want to do it. They just want to talk about it. And they want to get you to talk about what you've done. Because they say they're genuinely curious in what you do. My view is I want to be the doer. But yet the Angels and Yankees, Marlins, oy. So here's our pick of the day. Framber Valdez has his first start since his no-hitter. His complete game, Maddox. Remember the 93-pitch no-hitter? It happened five days ago, six days ago, whenever it happened. Whatever day it was, I can't remember. Maybe Wednesday the 2nd. Oh, no. It was the day of the deadline. It was actually Tuesday the 1st, exactly a week ago. Because the day they got Verlander is the day Valdez had the no-hitter. How's that for my memory, Dr. Strangelove? I'm totally fine up here. No cognitive decline whatsoever. Christ, what were we just talking about? Ah, got it. <laughs> Nothing, personal pick of the day. Framber Valdez, they're going against the Orioles. 
Astros, Orioles. Who do you think wants to win this game more? Clearly the Orioles. They want to show the Astros, hey, not only are we better than you, but we're ready to compete for the pennant. What do the Astros want to do as a veteran team? They want to stick their thumb right on the back of the Orioles jersey and say, no, no, not yet, young men. I'm taking Valdez minus 130 over the Orioles. He's not going to pitch another no-hitter. There's only one guy who's gone back-to-back, a guy named Johnny Vandermeer. But Orioles will lose to the Astros because the Astros are good. Get ready for them to win the pennant again. The Astros did something awesome, awesome yesterday. They went to the White House. I would just like to mention that Joe Biden making a joke about Dusty Baker's age made me smile and sad because Dusty Baker is now the oldest manager to ever win the World Series. And he took that record away from Jack McKeon, who won it with us in 2003. All records are meant to be broken. He held the record for 20 years. It's pretty cool. I thought he would hold it for longer. That said, congratulations. I love the fact that teams are going back to the White House. It is very sad when they didn't go for whatever political reasons, because it's such a great, great honor. I remember we went to the White House in the off season of 03, and it's just really cool. You're standing there. I actually have a picture of us in the White House behind me to my right, and I don't think the camera can see it, but I could move the camera during the show. Coco, can I do that to show that picture? Or is that really a bad thing to do? It's too risky, I think. But I'm going to try it. Why wouldn't I? Hold on. Watch this. Tell me if this works. Ready? Oh, wrong way. And there it is. Right there. Can you see it next to the bookshelf? Okay. Sorry, Coca. That's horrible that I just did that. And now it's not even even again. All right. I won't do that again. I promise. All right. Wait to see when we tell you something's going to happen. And when it does, we told you we'd revisit it. When it doesn't, we told you we'd revisit it. I'm gonna do a catch up now. Don't fast forward through this because I want you to go back to these episodes because if you're new to the show, thank you. I think last last report we just got, 21.9% of you, thank you. Relatively new to the show. All the way back in May of 2021, that's over two years ago, I told you that Miguel Cabrera will not be a Tiger through 2023. I thought they'd designate him, release him, trade him because he was such a drag on their payroll. Guess what? On May 13th of 21, I was wrong. That wait to see did not happen. On April 1st of 22, and you can go to the archives and listen to these episodes. I told you that Daniel Snyder will complete his sale of the commanders before 2024. Yahtzee. September 6th of 2022. Are you taking notes? I can't believe I got this wrong. I told you that the big three era is over in tennis. And I decided that I'm going to take the loss on that way to see. Jokovic had a chance for the Grand Slam. He's won two Grand Slams in 2023. When I said the big three era was over, I really did not think that Nadal or Federer or Jokovic would dominate and Jokovic has. Now, I could take the win because I could tell you that the era of one of two of those three playing each other in every finals, that is over, but I'm still taking the loss. How about November 29th of 2022 when I told you that Messi is going to get a piece of Inter Miami? How about that one? You all thought I was crazy. Back in November of 22, that's a yes. 
March 24th of 23, we started talking about NHL Pride Night and all the players who weren't wearing the jerseys. And I told you that NHL is going to move away from Pride Nights. I'm taking a yes and a no on that. Let me explain why. The NHL has decided that players and teams will no longer be allowed to wear Pride jerseys during the warm-up skate. There will still be Pride Nights in the NHL, but the NHL itself is not in any way supporting them. So that's sort of a yes and a no. What about Saquon? April 13th of 2023, when the franchise tag was put on Saquon, I gave you an official wait to see that he's gonna sign it, and I was wrong. He ended up not signing the tag, not doing a long-term deal, so I wish I could get credit. He did do a one-year, I think $11.1 million deal, but I'm taking the no. I told you on May 22nd what I thought the Padres should do at the deadline. I can't believe they were not sellers. They should have been sellers like the Mets. They actually have a chance to win the wild card now because all the teams above them stink so badly. Diamondbacks, Reds, Marlins, terrible. The Padres did not sell. I got that wrong. Four days later, I gave you a wait to see on May 26th. How about the NBA flop rule? I said, that's going to happen. Wouldn't you know it? The NBA passed the flop rule. That's a yes. Remember on May 31st of 2023, when MLB took over the TV rights for the Padres, go back to previous episodes and we spoke long, long about the bankruptcy of the regional sports networks and of Sinclair, Diamond, Bally's, et cetera. I said, MLB is gonna take over more than just the Padres. Guess what? They've taken over the Diamondbacks broadcasting rights also. That's a yes. June 9th of 23. I said, Noah Syndergaard will not be on the Dodgers postseason roster. He won't be. He was traded to the Guardians. That's a yes. June 26th of 23. This one pisses me off, actually. I gave you a wait to see on June 26th for all you Yankee fans. I said, Aaron Judge will not return from the injured list. He had that toe issue before August 1st. He came back July 28th. Come on, man. That's a no. And then finally, just yesterday, I told you that Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson would each be suspended for five games. As you heard earlier in the show, I was wrong. Ramirez was only suspended for three and Anderson was suspended for six. That means I got the wait to see wrong. Credibility, follow-up. We will do it for you here on Nothing Personal. You don't get that anywhere else with the other gas bags. Everyone else just said stuff to say it. They don't revisit it. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm wrong sometimes and right others. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Wait to see. It's just business. This is nothing personal.